Florida man, David. But this is a, uh, he's still a super weird Florida man, but we got uh, like a, a, a cool accomplishment out of Florida man this week. Oh, nice. So, uh, and he would be an octogenarian. It's 80 year old Florida man, Ed Chapman. Um, of course, there's an 80 year old in Florida named Ed. Called the police uh, sure. to ask for some help with a gator. Which seems to be probably a normal occurrence in Florida. That, I'm, I'm yeah, not, like, not really spent much time there, but I would think, you know, a healthy 18 to 20% of all 911 calls involve a gator. Just that, ballparking. That sounds right. Um, but it wasn't help, um, like, wrangling the gator or, like, I'm stuck in my home and there's a gator, like, outside the door. Uh, he had, you know, to, get, he had 80, to get his paper, but the gator was out there. 80-year-old Ed Chapman had already wrestled and uh, subdued the gator, all right? According to him, he said, um, <laughs> he, he took it upon himself. There was a, a gator in his backyard, and before police could arrive, he took it upon himself. He went to capture the six-and-a-half-foot alligator, and um, he said it was his dog, dog barking that first alerted him, too. Oh, I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought when you said... It was his dog. I thought he was, was like senile dog. enough that he forgot. <laughs> he thought it was his yeah. dog. It's like, oh, no. there's Fido. Go to pet no, Fido. No, Munch. no. Barking dog alerted him to the gator. That and, makes more uh, sense. And so he went out armed with a noose and a pole, uh, or a noose pole, which I guess is some kind of yeah. The, 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 the noose on the pole. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you, you, can, you have you can pull it. Then you have like yeah. a nice solid object to, to yeah to <laughs> so, wrestle the gator. So he says, "quote I went and got the noose pulled, and I got it around its neck." He swatted me with his tail and knocked my legs out from under oh me. Oh my gosh, Ed. You're 80. He's 80. His hips are done for. Um, so you said he struggled with it for a little bit uh, until it was in his pond. So he's wrestling an alligator into his pond. Does it say we argued together on that story? Uh, that yes. The, the next quote in this gem of a story, 80-year-old uh, Ed Chapman says, We argued together, him and the alligator. Sure. We argued together until we got all the way over to this pond. And then he got his front legs down and the reeds there. And then we went all the way down and he had his face in the water. So we've now transitioned from, from dry land, which is man's domain, mm -hmm. to the water, which is decidedly the alligator's domain. Yeah, the home court advantage <laughs> that the gators have is pretty intense. So it was, it was actually so, at, at, it was at that point that he called for police back. Wait, when they were both in the water, that's when he pulled his his satellite phone out and called like what? I think he I think he started the wind chimes and it was like kind of like the, the flame uh, in the Lord of the Rings and the mountaintop and it it sent a signal to to the police station. I don't know how he did it. The, the story is incomplete with how he actually uh, contacted 911. Sounds a little bit but, like a fabrication, but weird <laughs> things happen in Florida, so carry on. He said, at that point, he said, I just need some help. This is him on the phone with the with the police. I need some help. I got it contained, but I need some help. I can't get it out by myself. Uh, and so the police came, and they helped him. And But, you know, he is uh, he's experienced with uh, dangerous animals. Uh, not his first run-in with something that could kill him. He collects venomous snakes. What? Uh, for research. For, for who? For what? And he breeds wolves. Of course he breeds wolves. So the alligator, no big deal. This is a Tuesday afternoon for Ed Chapman. Oh, mm. <laughs> So, mm. He, mm. So, I mean, good for him. Yeah. But how is this guy not dead? He breeds wild animals. He catches wild snakes and collects them that are poisonous, 
and he apparently wrestles gators what, when there's nothing else to do. What if he's one of those men that, like, really, you know, a sad situation where, like, your wife's already died or something, and, like, maybe you didn't have kids, or they've all moved away and don't have really... And he, like, he wants to die. So he's collecting kind of mistakes. <laughs> he's breeding wolves. He's wrestling with alligators, and he cannot lose. Like, he's... He, he's unbreakable, right? <gasps> what if we found the real unbreakable guy? Maybe. What if the unbreakable movie is based off of this guy in Florida? Yeah. We'll never know. Although, I, my, my assumption is that there are many more of these Ed Chapmans walking around in Florida, and we just don't hear about them because they're mad enough not to have to call the police. They can, <laughs> they can just take down the alligators by themselves. Sorry, go ahead. I was considering actually changing up the music, but now I have to think I, I think I just have to go with that. We like to party. We like we like to party. We like this is subjectively correct sports, the only show featuring intros like that and two guys talking about sports and other things like Florida Man. Uh do you, Ed. Like don't let us making fun of the situation deter you from wrestling gators into your 90s, bro. I hope you make it to 100, and I hope you collect a 1,000 venomous snakes, and I hope you are a Florida and a national legend. I would love to read his... I'd love to read his research. <laughs> what research is he collecting these snakes for? This one is greenish. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, maybe he has a background in in zoology or something, and it's just something that's always interested in. Maybe he's yeah. doing actual interesting research. I don't know. I don't want to make fun of it until I read it. Anyway, <laughs> check out our... Uh, yeah. When I get around to <laughs> okay. it. Well, uh, uh, check out our website, subjectivelycorrect.com. I wrote something this week. You will be thoroughly disappointed. But okay. I wrote something. So it's there. If you want to read my mediocre writing about something we talk about today on the show, it's or, there. And uh, how, many, how many words was yours? Words? Yeah, how many words was yours? Uh, like you do know you measure writing this kind of stuff by words, right? You know that? Uh, yeah, uh, 250 words. Really? I have no idea. You're guessing? Okay, well, if you're estimating 250, mine was like 500. So I'm not going to say I'm a better writer, but I wrote double you did. Okay, so I wrote check 750. But you just said you didn't know. That's yeah, a heck of I a jump. I just checked. What do you, you did not check? Internet. Check, check out, no, check out the video. His hands have been under his chin this whole time. So if we ever get this video uploaded, but now that's going to incriminate you, I don't think you'll do it. Anyway, send us an email. Uh, I was talking to someone about uh, our show, one of our avid listeners. Okay. One of our one of our listeners listens to every episode, and uh, he told me, it's like, I catch myself wanting to respond to you guys. Like, well, I'm listening. <laughs> I want to talk with you. And I was like, you can. Email us. Yeah, email the show. Uh, we we guarantee a response yes. to any email received. Mm-hmm. Either on the show, uh, the, the good ones we'll respond to on the that show. That promise is only good for 30 days in the event our show blows up. Oh, in case we get too busy? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, okay. I can't respond to like three emails. <laughs> That'll be blown up? Yeah. Sounds about right. But anyway, send us an email, subjectivelycorrect at gmail.com. Super easy to remember. Super easy to do. So the story in sports that I want to talk about is during our Easter baseball game between our two families, you got hit in the nuts by a wiffle oh. ball. That's what I want to talk about. Um, so was it... Yeah, the, Which, which the, one of my daughters hit you in the nuts? Uh, yeah, so I threw a, a nice... Perfectly uh, placed underhand pitch to your daughter Felicity. Oh, she can rake, man. And, My daughter uh, can rake. Yeah, she hit it on a rope. Yes, can I can I imitate the sound? Sure. Okay, it was the little toss, and it was the bing, and then whap, right. <laughs> yeah, and it made um, solid, direct, and immediate contact with, um, uh, medically speaking, my right testicle, and 
I, uh... <laughs> I think it sounds worse when you say that. Don't use the medical term. What term would you have me use? Well, I said nuts, and I think that worked just fine. Well, it was only one. Okay, so you're nut. <laughs> you know how plurals and singulars work, right? But that's I, that's so immature, David. Is it? I, I think so. Um, let's be adults about what happened here. All right. Go ahead. Anyways, tell drop, me, like drop me to my knees. I got grass stain on my knees <laughs> by how fast it dropped me. I, I don't that's mean true, that's true. Yes, I don't. I don't mean to be laughing, but I laughed when it happened too. I <laughs> At first, I tried to like laugh it off, but it was it hurt so bad. I had pain from my right shin to my right shoulder. I don't know. It just irradiated throughout my body. And um, the only thing I'm hearing right now is, man, my kid can hit. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, she has a future. Um, I would never cross her. Anyways, uh, yeah, so I looked up. I did the WebMD. You know, how long is this pain supposed to last? <laughs> After a few hours, and it said seek medical attention if pain lasts more than an hour. Uh, and I was going on like five or six. But a good night's sleep, and it's mostly better. Mostly? <laughs> mostly better. Dude, I again, like I'm just gonna start counting all that softball money my wife, my my daughter's gonna make me. Maybe she can pay for college with it. Maybe that's as uh, as much as we can get out of that. Anyway, I think we should have been filming. Get that AFV money. I yeah. I mean, would we have split it? <laughs> no, no. Eighty uh, twenty, sure. Eighty twenty. Yeah. My kid hit the ball without. Well, <laughs> hit the balls. Mm. So I mm. mean, hit the wiffle ball and then hit your balls. Mm. So anyway, there were. Uh, I mean, without my daughter and her ability to hit the fastball, this wouldn't even... <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I can't... Right. Yeah. My, without her ability to hit the fastball, I mean, we wouldn't be in this situation at all. So if this fictitious situation where my daughter hits you in the balls and then we send it to AFE and actually get paid, who's hosting AFE now? Carlton. Oh, it's not unusual to be loved. I'm doing the dance. Mm-hmm. Not very well. Alfonso uh, Ribeiro, something like that? yep. yep. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. I want to say Alfonso Soriano because, I don't know. Definitely not him. We're a sports show. Uh, speaking of sports and baseball. So, anyway, I hope you're recovering. She should have bat flipped after that. She should have. She should have. She should have bat flipped. Oh, oh, you're segueing. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, right. I was. So, a bat flip that has been in the sports news world recently, and uh, I, I call it more of a, a bat Rejection, it, almost like he's like, was get like, out of here, it was bat. Like a, a bat shove. Yeah, I was like, get out of here. It was almost like the Jose Bautista bat toss. Yeah, you know, but with like, like almost like disgusted that you would throw that pitch. Yeah, like right? get that out of here, get yeah. that bat out of here. So Tim Anderson, who plays for the White Sox, is a really talented young player, and he's been playing really well this year. His batting average is in like the four thirties so far. Ooh. So he is raking almost as well as my daughter. He hasn't hit any pitchers in the That's nuts this Bellinger-esque. year. Bellinger esque. Dude, get off the Dodgers for like two seconds. So Tim Anderson hits uh, hits a home run against Brad Keller uh, of the Kansas City Royals. He hits it, he stares at it for a second, and he throws his bat kind of in disgust. And he like gestures towards the, the White Sox dugout, maybe flexes and yells a little bit, and, and starts his trot around the bases. Brad Keller apparently wasn't too happy with that. So what happens is the next time he's up, oh, and before that happens, uh, Major League Baseball sends out a tweet shortly after this happens with a video of the home run and the bat flip. And sends out a tweet that says, uh, do your thing or or whatever, something like that. And uh, play the game or do your thing or something like that. And tags yeah. Tim Anderson yeah. and something. So Major League Baseball is clearly thrilled that, that he did this and that it was so exciting. There's so much emotion. In fact, they have this let the kids play campaign going right now. Yeah, they have this commercial that they run and it's like the you know, five or 
eight, whatever it is, of, of some of the top under 30 players. You've got, like, uh, was uh, was Puig in that? I don't know who. Altuve was in that. Trout's in that. Harper. Francisco Lindor. Um, yeah, a, a lot of really good players. And uh, they all all bragging about what they're gonna do this season, right? And with the and that's the that's the viral the marketing campaign is let the kids play, right? Let them show some emotion, right? So that's exactly what Tim Anderson did, and he is a great player, and deservedly he flipped that bat. Hitting a hitting a baseball is one of the hardest things in sports. Like one of my favorite things, <laughs> according to um, oh what's his what's his name on the, was on the uh, on the Nationals was on uh, J uh, way. What what is his name? With the hair, the outfielder with long hair. Worth Jason Worth. Yes, Worth, but not Worth. There's something else with the Worth. No, it's just Worth. Worth. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Tell your story. I'm gonna look right. it up because I yeah. know I'm right. Anyways, I just prove he, to you. anyways, his quote was: "Hitting a baseball is the hardest thing in the universe." <laughs> not limited to Earth. Every rock in, in the universe. Yeah, every rocket scientist. Jason Worth. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's okay. Jason Worth. I know it's That's Jason fine. Worth. That's fine. Maybe it's Jason Worthworthy. Worth. I don't know. Worth, but, worthless, more like it. Right? Ooh, wow. Ooh, no, he's ah, good. Taking he, shots at he's worth. good for the Phillies. But anyway, he the next time he gets up, next time Tim Anderson gets up to bat, very ah, first pitch, told you. With an E. Yeah, worth. told you. So the very first time <laughs> Jason... name right. Yeah, the very next time Tim Anderson gets up, he gets hit right in the backside by a fastball, clearly intended to hit him. Yeah, right? there, is, there are some... Some hit by pitches where you can tell, oh, it just got away from him. This was not one of those. Right. In fact, after he threw it, the pitcher had the same look on his face as if he threw it right where he wanted to on the outside corner. He was like, mm, good pitch. Yeah. Right? Well, everyone knew what was going on. Everyone knew that that was intentional, right? Because he obviously wasn't trying to hurt him. He was trying to send a message in air quotes for, for the podcast listeners. And what... So it's this unwritten rule of baseball where if another player gets the best of me... And hits a home run. And showboats. And then showboats in any way. I am within my rights as a pitcher to throw a baseball 90 miles an hour at him. If you have ever been hit by a baseball, you know how much it hurts. Yeah. Um, as have you, ever, have you ever been hit by a baseball? Um, wiffle ball. Yeah. Traveling about uh, probably 48 miles an hour. How, how did it go? Not too great. Right? So imagine getting hit by a 92-mile-an-hour fastball with a major league baseball. Uh. Right? It hurts. Uh, I remember one time I got hit. Uh, one of our uh, one of our uh, favorite listeners, Colt Sawyer, his little brother was pitching to me, and he was a big kid. He grew up a lot faster than us. He was, like, shaving when I was 8 and he was 9. Right? <laughs> but I think he was 13 and I was 12. Yeah. And he hit me right in the ankle with Ow. a fastball. Right? And I was like crying on my way to the bases. Right? It was really tough for me. It was awful. Right? I was 25 years old. No, no. I'm just kidding. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I was like 12. He was like 13. But now imagine a 92 mile an hour fastball. So it hurts. And it yeah. can really injure a player. Like Mike Piazza had a concussion from getting hit in the head and stuff like that. Right? Like I mean, it can break bones. Justin yes. Turner was out like six weeks last season. Yes. So why is it part of the unwritten rules of baseball? And why is it okay for a pitcher who has all the power in that situation to throw a baseball that could seriously injure and harm someone's season, hurt a team season, at a player? Why is that okay? Why is that part of the unwritten rules? I don't understand that. I never will. The batter has no control in that situation at all. He can't defend himself. It is one of the most cowardly things that I've ever seen in sports, where it's like this guy is standing there flat-footed, and you're going to throw a ball at him. Yeah. That is ridiculous, and I don't know why pitchers aren't punished more. And another thing, when the pitchers are out there fist-pumping and yelling and screaming and get all excited when mm-hmm. they get an important strikeout, the batter can't like run up to him the next time he's at, at the plate and like throw the bat at him. Yeah. 
I know, I'm thinking of like Jabba Chamberlain, right? Who, uh, I don't know where he is right now, but but when he used to pitch, like he was so amped. And it was like, every strikeout was like like scoring a touchdown in the NFL for him. Yes. Right? Yeah, and but 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 continue. Like I mean, so so yeah. He, Tim Tim Anderson gets hit. Yeah, yeah. So he gets hit. He's a. Uh, you can tell it hurts because you know baseball's hurt. And he's he's like heading towards the bases. He says a few words towards uh, Brad Keller, which he deserved. I mean, it's so stupid, especially when Major League Baseball is like encouraging these behaviors. Yeah. And so when one of their young stars actually does it, and they're like, "Oh, that was awesome. That was so cool." And then having another uh, another player like re- uh, enforce these unwritten rules of baseball or whatever. He yells at them. They yell back a little bit. The bench is clear. There's fighting stuff going on, right? So Tim Anderson gets ejected because, of course, the guy who was assaulted with a baseball is in the wrong here. Brad Keller gets ejected. Uh, there may have been like some other collateral damage like with the managers or bench coaches or something. Yeah. I don't remember. But those are the two important ones. And then later, Tim Anderson gets fined and suspended a game. Yeah, and... and, and I don't understand. And some, some other context to put around this and i don't really have a a point to make with it and i don't know that it's i definitely don't think it's uh it was on anyone's mind at the time but interesting to note that it was jackie robinson day and tim anderson is one of the few african-american young stars in baseball right Mm -hmm. uh and and not that that should necessarily influence uh, an umpire's Decision making whether to toss someone or not because it's Jackie Robinson Day and because the, one of the players in question is African American. But you, you control the but, situation. Yeah. in the situation, right? Um, so, so to your to your earlier point about the pitcher being the one in control, I agree with that, and I think the best form of retaliation is to strike him out, get him out the next time up or the rest of the game, or right. if you're. I mean, if you're so mad at him, just walk him, right? I mean, if you don't want him to, if you're gonna put him on base anyways. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, God, what would be more frustrating for me as a as a pitcher? I mean, this happened to me once as a as a batter. I was playing really well. Uh, first pitch of the, the our conference tournament, I got a base hit. Then I stole mm-hmm. a base. Next time up, four pitch walk. Next time up, four pitch yeah, walk. Yeah, it can take you out of your rhythm. Yes, right? and it it drove me insane for the rest of the tournament. I didn't see one strike. Yeah, and that infuriated me. And if they would have hit me, it would have had the same effect. But these young batters, especially that want to hit, if you start walking them, they'd get super frustrated, right? Yeah. So it's just it accomplishes the same sort of thing, but it's just a bravado. It's a it's a cowardly thing to me. It's a very cowardly thing. Yeah. And so I'm trying to think like if I'm baseball, how do I fix it, right? And what what do you do? I, all right. So one is you could you could have an automatic eject, ejection with some kind of uh like statutory suspension right if you intentionally throw and that's going to be at the discretion of the umpire i think it should be something that that should be viewed later like Major, the, yeah yeah okay so, so major league is, baseball the offices look at yeah, it after the fact because because the umpire in that situation is looking for balls and strikes mm-hmm. the umpire is not going to be thinking about the situation and thinking about what's going on thinking about the context he's looking for balls and strikes yeah. right i think that's why some ejections and some things that people get away with in baseball like some arguments and some fighting are kind of weird because they're not thinking about those things and focusing on those things. They can't. Like, calling balls and strikes has to be really difficult. I think it's one of the worst jobs in sports. Calling balls and strikes, I wouldn't want that job. Yeah. You, I don't know if you... Well, you could pay me enough, but it would be a really... It's a difficult job. So they're not thinking about that stuff. Um, another thing is if you... I mean, there already is a penalty associated right? The, the person gets a base, right? So there, yeah. there is, there's a disincentive... To actually being someone on purpose, right, right. But if the game's uncompetitive, either you know, if one team is up ten runs, then that disincentive goes away, right, right. Or sometimes 
a pitcher will wait until a different game where the stakes, you know, a team may be out of playoff contention at and this point. And then they'll start hitting people. And then they'll bean you because six months, because these pitchers have the memories of a whale. They do. Uh, Bryce Harper was a victim of that last, was it last year? I think it was last year. Where the, the like, Giants? Yeah, like a month yeah. or two later, he got hit and then he ran out there and threw his helmet much worse than he throws oh, yeah. a baseball. <laughs> That's right. But. Uh, so okay, so there, so so maybe that disincentive isn't as strong as or or consequence. Yes, consequence. What is that? Not a word. I don't know. Disincentive. I don't know. It's not an incentive. So it's a consequence. Sure. Or a punishment. But there can be good consequences. Sure. So so I no. okay. punishment. Maybe. Anyways, um, don't mind me. I'm just an English teacher. <laughs> I might know what I'm talking about. You are good at literature. I you literature, literature well. I literature so well. Um. Here's what I think. If if you injure a player by because you intentionally threw at that player, you should be suspended as long as that player is injured. Oh. And I think that rule could go for basically any kind of personal foul in any sport. Oh, so like if you if you if late you hit a quarterback, someone, you late hit a quarterback, he's out for 2 weeks, you have to serve a 2 week suspension in football. That kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Right. In basketball, if it's a flagrant foul and the person misses time, you miss that time. You miss that time as well. I, it gets a little Harry, if they're out for like the season yeah, or something, there's, there's and there's game on, checks there involved, should be max, and, there should be maxes. Yeah, but but I think kind of a rule of thumb is if if your illegal or unsportsmanlike actions uh, result in someone missing time, you should also miss some time, right? right? Yeah. Uh, so that could be one way. That's, that's an interesting idea. Yeah. Uh, you, you may get into those kind of like perverse situations though, where you 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 bring up the, your worst pitcher. You call up someone from like the minors Have to throw somebody. it to throw at someone's like best player, <laughs> right? And so they're out the same amount of time, but the the effect on the team is very different. It's like why do they bring up a guy from single A to be in their bullpen? Yeah, yeah. but but I think the you know we're joking a little bit, but but the issue I think is real, especially because Major League Baseball is pushing the showmanship of the game right they they need to because i don't know about you but when i see a young player hit a home run and toss the bat or like puig sticking his tongue out and doing all kind of stuff that is so fun it is so cool to watch and i enjoy that a lot more than i enjoy the guy that sprints around the bases without even acknowledging without smiling that's boring yeah and and so i I think being baseball needs to think about how they can what rules they can implement to to police this kind of behavior whether it's automatic ejections Missing time, fines, whatever it may be, and it's a hard thing because sometimes you don't know if it was intentional or not, and yeah. so and so there has to be some some discretion. Right, but I think I think you err on the side of the batter in that case because the batter is the defenseless party here. Like we're so worried about protecting defenseless wide receivers and defenseless uh, quarterbacks. Every batter when they're up there is defenseless. Like mm-hmm. when the ball's being being thrown that hard. You have almost no time to react, and that's why all these players are getting hit. If you have a ball thrown right at your right at your hip or your back, you're not going to be able to get out of the way. I mean, the other option is just go NHL with it, right? Just let them duke, duke just it out. Just let them duke it out. Stick them in a penalty box for a few innings, right? Let them let some some vigilante justice. Let the players uh, police themselves. But you're I don't know. I don't know, yeah. I don't know about that. Seems so, a little Russian. <laughs> Russian baseball would be crazy. You pick a ball in, in, in snow. You, you throw first base. You throw second base. That double play. Okay, now, another thing that I wanted to talk about with this, uh, this Tim Anderson stuff. So when, the, when Major League Baseball said that they were suspending him, they didn't say he was suspended for the bat flip or anything like that. They said he was suspended for a racially charged word. And 
that made me very uncomfortable yeah. because Tim Anderson is black. And I don't think Joe Torre and other white guys in MLB offices should be dictating to their young black players how they should use the N-word. That is not okay. And could you imagine if the NBA had that same standing? Every time a player in the NBA used the N-word, they suspended him for a game or something like that? I mean, this just feels... It feels like no... This comes into an uncomfortable situation where a a white pitcher is called the N-word by a black player and that black player is being suspended... And that makes me uncomfortable, and I don't agree with that at all because this white pitcher has never suffered an insult like that to him. And it doesn't really affect him. It doesn't mean anything to him. He wasn't insulted by being called that. Yeah. But I, I just disagree with MLB's yeah. stance on that. Yeah, that doesn't uh, – I don't really care about that. I, here, here's what I think, though. If, you, if you're going to suspend someone for using a word, that it should be stated beforehand – here are words that if you say you will be suspended. Yeah, right? it felt arbitrary. I, yeah, I don't. I don't care if it's if it's the N word, an F word, or whatever word you want to say. Uh, if 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 Major League Baseball has a problem, or the NBA has a problem, or whoever, whatever league has a problem with its players saying those words, whether you are a black, white, or other, that should be a stated policy so that the players and and coaches and staff do not have to guess. Right. Right. And I think that's one of the big problems with this Major League Baseball situation overall. Is like you said, there's no guidelines for this it's just kind of a case-by-case thing where i mean it's always like shocking and surprising because when it's case by case umpires are going to make mistakes Mm -hmm. right and when you make a mistake that's very public with uh on jackie robinson day with a player that's african-american like again i don't think that was anyone's intention here but it has it's just a bad look right and so and so i don't think uh, i don't think uh, players should should not be allowed to say that word. I don't think they should be allowed. I don't I don't have an opinion on it. But if Major League Baseball has an opinion on it, and their umpires are tossing people for it, which so apparently they do, or at least their umpires do, it needs to be set forth somewhere because it, you can't you can't you can't participate within the rules if you don't know the rules. Right. And so one of the reasons why that drives me so crazy, and I know I know I'm belaboring the point a little bit, and I know our segment's going a little long, but I, I saw a video. Uh, a year ago or so of a situation where the Mets Noah Syndergaard threw, be- threw behind a player. It was one of those situations where they knew there was a lot of tension between this team and that player and he might get thrown at it. So as soon as Noah Syndergaard threw a fastball behind the player, they uh, tossed Noah Syndergaard. And one of the umpires happened to be miked. Mm. And the conversation that followed between the Mets manager Terry Crews and the umpires... Collins. Collins. Terry Collins. What am I saying? Crews. Oh, the actor. No, <laughs> Terry Collins. I was... Like, I reacted physically. I was like, oh my goodness. And my heart yeah. started being... The language he used was vile. It was disgusting. And it was just riddled with curses. Much more offensive than whatever Tim Anderson was purported to 100%. Say. Did Terry Collins get thrown out of the game? No. Did he get fined? No. Did he get suspended? No. So why the double standard here? Again, makes me very uncomfortable and I, I don't like... The whole situation at all. Bad look for the Major League Baseball, and I feel for Tim Anderson, and he's been so great about this whole thing. He just said, "I'm going to find, I'm going to serve my suspension, I'm going to pay my fine, I'm going to watch the guys on TV, and I'm going to come back ready to go the next day." This Tim Anderson guy is great. Did you know he uh, he does a lot of work in his community, and he actually paid for a bunch of underprivileged kids to go and see the movie Forty Two to celebrate Jackie Robinson Day with them. Pretty cool. And this isn't the only thing he's done like this. So anyway, Tim Anderson's a great guy. Check him out, and do not judge him based off of this one incident because one, it was not his fault. Two, he didn't cause Ooh. this. And three, he's just a great guy. 
Remember that for later in the show. Should we be judging people based on one incident? <sighs> I feel a little better. So uh, I wrote about that Tim Anderson thing uh, for our blog, and yeah. I, I just I feel like I had to I voice think, it. I think out. he should work on the bat flip flow. I, I think if you're good, get your money's worth from the bat flip. Oh, he got his money's worth. I, well, I, I think are you talking about like distance? I sound like he should have got more distance. I, I, I more wanted flip. I wanted more amplitude. Oh, okay. Well, I, I loved it, man. The angry bat flip is my favorite bat flip. <laughs> like when you grab that and you're like, get out of here, bat. That's one of my favorites. I like a good um, hold it by the very end. Yeah, uh -huh. just kind of as high as you can get he it. Gets a spin on it. Yeah. No, I love that. Like the Jose Bautista one where he grabs and just like throws it in disgust. Yeah. He's like, get this bat out of here so I can yeah. run around the bases like a boss. That's my favorite, dude. In fact, if I was going to be a bat flipper, I think that's the kind of bat flipper I would be. Like one, oh, another Even one more than like a bat flip though, I, I enjoy a really good bat drop. Yeah, you told me that and I was like, that's boring. Just like when it sticks to the ground, almost like it's like a lead bat. Oh, I pr if I was going to do that, I would walk a little bit and like throw it down to the ground. Yeah. Almost like I'm done with this bat, bring me another. Almost like Thor when <laughs> he's in the uh, in the coffee shop. Yes. It was delicious. I yes, want another. Thor in the coffee shop. More. Yes. Right? From the movie? Yes. You know what I'm talking about? The Thor movie. Yes, Thor. Yes, when he's in the coffee shop. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, NBA playoffs have been uh, fun. I've been watching more NBA playoffs than I normally do. Um, it's been really fun to sit down with my wife and watch basketball. She loves it. It's a lot of fun. We have good conversations about it. And what's fun is we have like good, intelligent basketball conversations. Like We'll talk about the defenses teams are playing. We'll talk about the adjustments coaches are making. And it's fun to have those conversations with my wife. Uh, you brought up an interesting point that I wanted to talk about first. Okay. Uh, are these playoffs competitive? Um, no. Well, I, f I found them a little boring from a uh, balance standpoint. You've got, what, of the eight series seven of them could be done in five games or less. Which is crazy. All of them are either 3-0 or 3-1 right now. In fact, Boston swept. So the Boston Boston Pacers 4-0. They're, they're done with that series. I think all the other ones are 3-1 right now, except for uh, the Spurs Nuggets, which is 2-2. Two and two. And the Houston uh, Jazz series is 3-0. Yeah. So they, yeah, and I think they play tonight. By the time you listen to this, you will know if the Jazz are, are still in the playoffs or not. So, so, yeah, for my money, I, I think it's been um, a little boring, uh, especially if you think back the past few years, I feel like a lot more games had, like, buzzer beaters, and and maybe it's just because LeBron was in the playoffs. Like, it's more, always more. a little bit more exciting when, when LeBron's in the playoffs and playing well. Um, but, yeah, so far, nothing has really, like, kind of grabbed my attention. I've still been watching because, you know. Playoff basketball I am is super who fun. I am, yeah, and I like play, basketball. And playoff basketball is super fun. After the 82 game doldrum of a season that is the nba yeah. regular season you get to the playoffs and it's like the intensity is ratcheted up it's more entertaining the players are more uh uh emotional yeah. and active and it's it's a lot more entertaining the one team i've really enjoyed watching so far and uh, especially the one player i've enjoyed watching is dame lillard and the blazers and as a lakers fan you know i i should hate the blazers but i i just don't i, I mccollum and lillard are just really fun especially lillard when he when he gets hot he's as good as anyone in the league yeah he uh, Steph gets all the attention yeah. because if you're going to stay up late and watch a West Coast game, you're going to watch the Warriors. But Damian Lillard, when he's hot, like you said, he's as good as Steph Curry when he's on. Yeah. Uh, also, CJ McCollum is awesome. He's trying, Jennifer. I don't... So last year, uh, he mentioned something. He tweeted something, and a girl named Jennifer said... Win a playoff game, then talk. Oh. And he responded, I'm trying, Jennifer. And her name was Jennifer. So that became like a big deal. And they got swept the last two yeah. years the Blazers did. So to see them on the verge of beating the, the Thunder, 
possibly 4-1, that's a big deal for that team. And it shows a lot of growth and maturity from their stars, uh, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. And what I like about it is how mature and professional they're being. So they're great players and they'll show emotion on the court. They're not stiffs by any stretch of the imagination, but they're very professional dealing with the media, dealing with uh, talking about the other team and stuff, mm-hmm. while their opponents, not so much. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I, I, if you're listening to this podcast and you listen to other sports podcasts, you know that Russell Westbrook is one of the most difficult people in the NBA to interview. In fact, there was an article uh, two years ago, right? So this was like the year after... Um, Let's see. The year after Kevin Durant left, uh, is that your elbow squeaking on the desk? Is my elbow squeaking on the desk? It must be because it sounded like a fart. <laughs> but I just want to make sure. I know it wasn't me. Did you fart? Uh, I no. I definitely did not. Okay, just making sure. I think there was a there was an episode of First Take where one of the uh, somebody on the panel farted. Okay. And Max Kellerman tried to cover it up with a with a cough, like our teacher, <laughs> Mr. Hurley from high school. Yeah. <laughs> That's a joke so, two people will understand from that listen. So this is a Sports Illustrated like round table where they have like four writers responding to, to a prompt. Oh, right? okay. And, um, and Howard Beck, who's a really good NBA writer uh, for Bleacher Report, he, uh, and this was two years ago, okay? he said, um, answering the question, who is the single toughest player to interview and why? Here's his answer. Among prominent players, it's Russell Westbrook by a mile. By a mile. But I think that's obvious even to casual fans. Uh, you can see it in every press conference or post-practice scrum. He just oozes contempt for the media, or at least for the interview process. His answers are often clipped and condescending, fre- frequently de- defensive and occasionally hostile. I feel bad for the Oklahoma reporters who cover him every day, and honestly, I don't get it. Though his playing style has drawn some criticism, I enjoy... Sorry, he's enjoyed mostly uh, positive coverage during his career. He's not particularly a controversial figure. He's never been in trouble off the court, and he hasn't been subject to nearly the scrutiny or criticism endured by that goes through a bunch of players. Um, and it's a shame because Westbrook, Westbrook is an incredible talent, blah, 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 blah. Anyways, uh, and so... It's really he, weird that he went blah, 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 blah there at the end. <laughs> yeah. I thought he maybe finished a little stronger than that, but you are a writer, dude. Pick it up. So it's it's just interesting to have like a national reporter with that opinion of of Westbrook, but it's true. You watch him in these these post game press conferences, and there's this one. Uh, what's his? Is it Barry Trammell? Something like that. He's a Something. he's a he's a beat writer for the Thunder's for the Oklahoma Thunder. And every time he asks Russell Westbrook a question, Westbrook responds with. <laughs> let's let's reenact it. Uh, so uh, yeah, you guys really pulled away down the stretch. Uh, what do you think uh, led to that turnaround? Next question. Okay, uh, this is the next game now. So uh, yeah, you are you seem to be on fire. You got your fiftieth uh, triple double of the season. Um, you know how, how are you able to do that? Next question. And the types of questions. It doesn't, it does, like I was asking softball easy, like flattering questions. And that's the, those are the types of questions that he will even respond next question to. Right. It doesn't matter if it's a tough question, an easy question. He just says, next question. Hey, Russ, congratulations on your new baby. How are you feeling? Next, next question. question. Hey, come on, dude. It's, yeah, even, it's, it's even infected playoff P, which sounds like something you get infected with. Yeah. But th- that has infected playoff P, uh, Paul George. Uh, he uh, went down with the, the time running out. There was like five seconds left or less. The Thunder get a steal. They're up by a bunch. There's no way the Blazers are going to be able to come back and win anyway. So both teams have given up. They're in that, they're in that like, we're, we both agree not to score anymore phase of the game. where they are like, we're not going to shoot. You're not going to shoot. Yeah. But 
The Thunder steal the ball from the Blazers, throw it out to Paul George on an outlet. He's all by himself. He grabs the ball, does a reverse dunk. And a reporter asks him, like, that's kind of that's kind of a, a no-no in basketball. That's like a, a ultimate show-up move. That's like worse than a bat flip, I yeah. want to say, right? Like, that's <laughs> something that'll get get you in a fight in the yeah. NBA. Uh, and that reporter asked him, and what did he say in response? He asked him about that dunk. He's like, why did you dunk there? And the what did, what did Paul George say? What did he say? Uh, next question. Right. Yeah. So it's like it, his attitude is carrying over to the other players, which is bewildering because this, even this reporter has no idea why yeah. he's being treated that way. And so, so you might ask, like, why, why do they even show up to the press conference if all they're going to say is next question? They're required to. There, there's media availability requirements. Yeah, all the major sports in, in the United States have a requirement that the players show up to a press conference or at least are available for interview. What a crappy thing, the by the way, man. Like, imagine you just failed at your job in some way. Like, you did something that was supposed to happen. You didn't get it done. So then you go and have to talk to a reporter. And the reporter asks you questions like, you just failed at your job. How do you feel? I, it'd be hard for me to keep my responses, like, Shh. professional and stuff, right? Yeah, but I think, like, you do it so often and you lose, like, if if an average sports team will lose half the time, right? Like, you should just be practiced at it. Right, but uh, it doesn't make it any easier. The emotions don't, don't go away. No, they probably don't, but, I mean, you're an adult, right? Like, yeah. and you're paid a lot of money, and one of the reasons you're paid a lot of money is because these reporters have access to you. And they're printing stories about you, and people are consuming media about you, right. and buying your jersey. And it's a great opportunity to enhance those jersey sales and enhance those sneaker sales. If you come across as a really likable person, uh, it might work out for you better financially. But also, we're spending time on our sports podcast, and the media has been covering this Russell Westbrook situation for a while now because he's doing the opposite, and he's a major jerk to the media. So maybe it's working in his favor as well. Maybe I mean I don't know. Like I don't know where his like what's let's look at where like like where's his jersey sale. But you know that doesn't matter because no, he's he's like a really talented guy. He's right? a superstar. Yeah, and it might be conscious. I don't know. But but it comes it just comes off it comes off bad. Like and yeah. and I have the same criticism. Of, I've seen this like oh well you can't expect the players to do it if you don't expect the coaches to do it because like you have like Popovich right who's also a curmudgeon and uh, doesn't uh, doesn't take kindly to the quote-unquote stupid question uh but i i expect the same out of him like i think he should be better and uh, and treat the media more respectfully because honestly if if no one was covering them like if if television stations decided not to run the games right if media decided not to report on it um the league would go away like the only reason they have jobs is because people want to watch and someone's willing to put it on TV and to write about it in their newspapers and online. And so I, I think I, the major difference between Pop and Russell Westbrook. That's a hard Russell name to say. Ru- Westbrook. We'll just stick with Westbrook. Russ. Russ West. Russell. Russell. Ru- 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 he needs a nickname. Does he have a nickname? Chubby Bunny. Chubby Bunny. Does he have a nickname? Chubby, I've, I've seen him called Brody a few times. Ah, Brody. Know, that's not it. a real name. I don't even get it. But anyway, the major difference between Sounds those Sounds like two, someone who loves uh, My Little Ponies. What are those called? Bronies. Bro- bronies, yeah. Bro ponies. Bronies. A uh, few, few bronies in uh, the extended family. Not our extended family. What? Wife side. Oh, Wife side. Okay. And uh, just normal dudes who just happen to like a TV show that's about ponies. Just a normal guy who likes to play with his unicorns. The major difference between Russell Westbrook and crushed it, and uh, Greg Popovich is uh, a crushed Popovich too, is that Popovich has won. Yeah, that's true. 
we will we, we give you a lot of slack once you win. When you become a winner in sports, it's like, okay, do your thing. Yeah. Like people still criticize Dan Marino, who's one of the best quarterbacks ever because he didn't win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Right? I mean, ugh. yeah, and and I mean that's true. You look at Westbrook. Okay, first of all, Sam Presti is heralded, I know I've said this before. It's one of the great GMs in 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 modern NBA history. And he's the GM of what now? Of the Thunder. Will you say the Thunders from now on? The Thunders. The Thunders. The Thunders. Uh, By the way, don't like that song. You don't like it? No. My kids I, love it. Yeah, I know, because we hear it a lot. <laughs> but I don't like that song. Um, I mean, he, he writes some lyrics, and, dude. and granted, the Thunder drafted Kevin Durant. Yep. Russell Westbrook. That guy. James Harden. MVP, maybe. Serge Ibaka. Ibaka. Um, they had those four dudes, and uh, they uh, did not re-sign James Harden. They chose Ibaka over Harden. And so I I don't care that he brought in Paul George. Sam Presti's the guy who lost Kevin Durant and James Harden. Okay? Forever remember this, please. Anyways, what was my point? Something was about I? Sam Presti. Oh, no, okay. So, so getting back to, to Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Sorry, Sam Presti, you got hit in the testy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, he is a super talented player. You can't set a record for an average triple doubles over the course of a season without being an amazing player. But is he overrated? That's my question. Because look at his playoff record since Kevin Durant left. And two of these seasons, he's had Paul George with him, who is a perennial all-star, great MVP two, candidate. Great two-way player, which is what you need. You need superstar, two-way players in the playoffs. Since, he's one of those. Since Kevin Durant left three seasons ago, in the past three seasons, the Oklahoma Thunder have gone 4-11. and 11. Four wins, 11 losses. If they lose to the Blazers, Blazers are at home. Uh, no, they're on the road. They're in OKC. They're in OKC. No, 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 they go back. Oh, because it's game they five. Go back. It's going to be game five. Yeah, My they bad. Go, go back I was thinking game four. My bad. Uh, so, My bad. You know, if your betting chances are, Blazers take care of business. Anyways, they're 4-11. and 11, Haven't made it out of the first round. Right? And this guy is a generational talent. I mean... Uh, do we do we need to start thinking differently about Russell Westbrook? Is his brand of basketball just not one that lends itself to winning in today's NBA? He might be one of those players that crushes mediocre and bad opponents, and that's where he puts up all of his monster numbers and stuff, but when he plays against good teams, he struggles. Yeah. I know his shooting percentage and his like effective field goal percentage and his plus-minus and all those stats, they take a major nosedive in elimination games. Hmm. So I don't, like I don't press, believe... He tries too hard? It might be. It might be that he takes too much upon himself. And that might be why they went with Ibaka and not Harden because they realized Harden needs the ball in his hands. And Russ, I mean, statistically, like in order to be an effective yeah. player, Harden needs the ball in his hands. And Russell Westbrook is going to have the ball in his hands because that's just his attitude and it's his playing style. So they made the choice. Okay, let's get rid of Harden because there's just only there's only one ball, right? I mean, the Warriors seem to do just fine with only one ball, right? Mm-hmm. So I blame... Not Harden, not Westbrook, not Durant for the the lack of winning in OKC. I blame coaches. Because if the Warriors were able to find a way to get the two two of the best shooters in the history of basketball, well, plus one of the best, if not the best, offensive talent in the history of basketball in Kevin Durant, and they find a way to share the ball all together, I mean... Okay, but do you put that on the coach or a player who doesn't buy into a coach's system? And I don't know that Westbrook yeah. hasn't bought into the system, but but... When KD and Westbrook were there, were together, it was essentially the offense was KD's turn, 
now Westbrook's turn. Right. And, that, and but KD having gone to now the Warriors is is in the, the mode of sharing the basketball more. Right. And I, and I don't know if that's he's now in the, in that Warriors environment and he's now buying into that Warriors environment and yeah. that play style. Or if he's matured as a player, evolved as a player. Right. So we don't know. We can't get in the heads of that. So I see what you're saying. It's either Russell Westbrook is unwilling to share the ball. Or the coaches aren't doing a good enough job. Maybe they're yeah. acquiescing too much to the superstar and saying, oh, no, you do whatever you want, Russell Westbrook. You can go shoot 40 times a game. We don't care. Yeah. We ride with you. And, and that's it, clearly not working in the playoffs. And if you're Paul George, do you now regret not signing a one, yes. one plus one, right? Yes. you. Reg- I, if I Because awesome, he had an awesome year this year, right? Yeah. He could opt out and get a max contract and make more money. Uh, but he signed up for what was it a three-year deal? I don't remember. But he he could be playing without any the, options. He could be playing for the Lakers and playing with LeBron James right now, or and he I, could go to the Knicks and team up with Kevin Durant and Kyrie. Or I mean, he had, he would have options, right? right? He could go wherever he wanted and get max money. But now he's he's saddled to Westbrook for at least the next two or three seasons, and they don't have any cap room. They can't improve, and so he's saddled to Russell Westbrook and Serge Ibaka, mm-hmm. and Serge Ibaka. His game isn't you know transitioning very well into the modern NBA. And Steven Adams, I think, is a better option for them right now. He, he does the things that you need yeah. in the modern NBA, and he sets screens like a brick wall. Yeah. He could play Aquaman, Steven Adams. <laughs> Didn't he? <laughs> but, and going back to the press conferences for a little bit, I, we asked this question with Antonio Brown a couple weeks ago. A BB Craig. It's, it's what, are you, what are you trying to accomplish? Yeah. Like what's the what's the end game here? Because it's obviously a conscious decision by Wes, Russell. I did. I fell. I fell prey to just it. Call, let's just call him to Russell. the Baba Walters, Russell Westbrook. <laughs> this is Baba Walters. I'm here with Russell Westbrook. <laughs> uh, what do you think? This is an uh, this is a conscious decision to not respond to a particular reporter. To a particular reporter's questions. Like, what are you trying to gain from it? At least uh, Marshawn Lynch, like, when he would show up, he was honest, right? He's, yeah. He would say, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Yep. <laughs> right? And there was something endearing about it. Yes. And and he didn't, like, go after a particular person in the media. He wasn't rude, right? He right. was just indifferent. I think I think something that's going on with Russell with Westbrook. Westbrook. What's going on with Russell? That wascally Russell Westbrook. Westbrook. Russell season. <laughs> I'm hunting Russell Westbrook. What? <sighs> I think What's one of the things on? that's going on with Russell is that he uh, he needs to be angry at something. He plays angry, and that's one of my favorite comments to make about it. Like when he dunks, it's like he's mad at the rim. You hear yeah. people say that. I think if he doesn't have someone or something to be angry at, like the Blazers are just like, hey, we're here to play basketball and we're here to win. And he's like, no, no, uh, do something to make me angry at you. And they're not giving him that. I think he needs to find anger from somewhere. So he's chosen the media to kind of well, get And sometimes he'll about. choose a fan, right? Yes. Where, where, and granted, fans have said and done things that are inappropriate, but a lot of players will just ignore it, yeah. right? But Westbrook will sometimes engage. You nailed Westbrook right there. Thank I did you. too. <laughs> Run a hot streak. Yeah. So, I mean... I don't know. Maybe it's an anger issue. I don't know. He seems like a nice dude off the court. Yeah. Right. And that's what that's why I'm saying maybe it's a conscious decision because I know Michael Jordan would make up things to be angry about bulletin board material. Yeah. He yeah. would he would make it up in his head. He'd be like, oh, that guy hates me and whatever. No, I'm just gonna crush him. And it really helped him. Okay. Um, I don't know if other players do that besides those two, but I, I think it's pretty common in sports. So, did you want to talk about basketball rivalries now, or did you want to like skip ahead? Like, what do you want to do here? <laughs> 
It's up to you. It's up to me. Yeah. I get to make choices. That's, uh, yeah. All that's right. All so, you, man. Jared Dudley, according to Joel Embiid, is a nobody. <laughs> okay. He also wears a uh, wears a headband that looks like Elmer Fudd from Space Jam. This is the second Elmer Fudd reference. Look it up, dude. Okay. Look it up. Okay. Okay. I'll show it to you during one of our breaks. But yeah, the, there's a there's a little clip of Elmer Fudd putting a headband on, uh-huh. and it looks just like Jared Dudley. He's even got the same head shape, <laughs> same haircut. Yeah. Anyway, so Jared Dudley has been going after Ben Simmons. And he just, I think it may have been kind of innocent the way he was asked and then answered the question, but it turned into a big thing. Maybe one of these bulletin board material type of things we were talking about with Russell Westbrook. So he took... Uh, someone asked him about Ben Simmons, and he said, I think in transition, he's he's an A-plus player, but when you get him in the half court, he's an average or mediocre player. Ben Simmons didn't like that. Ben Simmons responded by coming out and, and having a great game, his best game of the playoffs, mm. and they crushed him. And this is after the Nets had taken a game from Philadelphia. In fact, they won the first game, which shocked the NBA, right? But uh, then in the following game, uh, Joel Embiid gave an elbow to somebody. It looked it could have been intentional, but he either he hit it really well or it was unintentional. And Jared Dudley came up and shoved Joel Embiid. Jimmy Butler then shoved Jared Dudley. They had a little brawl. They had a little scuffle. It, they ended up in the stands. Ed Malloy, the uh, the referee, ended up on the floor with them. It was it was a good little basketball fight. Anyway, Jared Dudley got ejected. Jimmy Butler got ejected. The 76ers got the raw end of that deal. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's that situation, right? Of sending sending your worst player after right, their best. Exactly. Yeah. It, basically, the uh, the NHL goon. Like you can't skate, you can't shoot, you can't play defense, but you can yeah. beat somebody up. You have a place on our team, especially if you were on the East Coast. Anyway, and uh, that was a deep cut NHL joke that I don't think has any credence at all. So any hockey people listening, just whatever, don't listen to me. Uh, anyway, that's been kind of fun to watch, and that's been fun to follow. Yeah, that's that's like the only fun thing for me. So other than Dame Lillard getting really hot uh, during some of these games, there have been the the fighting, like the the little cat, <laughs> the, the cattiness of some of these players the has been has been has been fun to watch. So one of one of my favorite things that uh, that worldwide Wob Rob Perez on Twitter, yeah, one of my favorite things he does is Good he follow. has a yeah he has a sign that he puts up every once in a while that says. The NBA has gone, and then like the written thing, like a written zero, yeah. zero days without being overly dramatic or right. unnecessarily dramatic. Yeah. And he puts that up every once in a while that says zero. And <laughs> I think during the All-Star break, it got up to like three days or something like that. But then someone said something, he's like, oh, we have a new record. It's really funny. Yeah. But the pettiness and the ridiculousness in these rivalries in the NBA can be really entertaining. Like the Patrick Beverly, Kevin Durant stuff was super fun to watch. And Patrick Beverly got enough in Katie's head to get him ejected one game. And then have a total meltdown where his team was able to come back by down 31 against one of the best teams we've ever seen yeah. and ever assembled. And so maybe and this Patrick Beverly getting in Katie's head has some credence to it. Yeah, and I'm hoping that some of these rivalries um, develop even further. Because like it's not it's a rivalry in some respect, but if it's not a competitive series, then yeah. it loses some of the... Uh, the force behind it. Right. And rivalries need to come up again and again for them to be true rivalries. Yeah, like if you play a team once every 10 years, that's not a rivalry. Yeah. And, and the only like good rivalry I can think of right now, because LeBron James has left the East, there were a, f- a few with, with James, but uh, now that he's in the West, I think it's like the the Rockets and Warriors is kind of the only, and, and only because that's been competitive the last little bit. But it's not chippy. It's not like they're fighting each other. It's not yeah. like yelling at each other. It's not like slights in the locker room about them. It's just... They're competitive basketball teams playing against each other. So, yeah. So I I would like to see that. I think that would because I mean ratings are down this year in the NBA playoffs. Part of it's because LeBron's not in the playoffs. I yeah. think. But um, also because like what are the compelling storylines? Like I think everyone assumes that the 
Warriors are going to win. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you don't, you have some teams out east that maybe can pose a threat. Maybe the Raptors, maybe the Bucks, but like they're unproven. You know, so it, it almost feels like it's uh, it's already decided, and it's felt that way to some extent in years past. But there's always been a hope, and, and Cleveland actually did win one of those years, right? Yeah. So um, it would be great to get back to where there is some more parity, and there were rivalries, competitive rivalries year after year. Right. Um, and not, and you're talking not just between players like we're seeing now, but between teams. Where like this team, team and this team yeah. legitimately doesn't like each other, and they're going to go right. at each other. That's right. Yeah. Uh, do you remember, it was just, it wasn't that long ago when the banana boat crew was all buddy, buddy all the time. And people were like, the NBA is getting soft and oh, yeah. that's not the real NBA. You're supposed to hate your rivals and stuff like that. And I, I didn't carry the way I was just enjoying watching really good basketball. Yeah. But do you think it's better for the NBA to have these personal rivalries or to have that, the buddy, buddy, the, the buddy system, buddy, the buddy system, uh, that, that was going on with the banana boat crew. I think it's fine for them to be friends, but like, I hate that that that's the narrative. Like that 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 dominates like off season is like who do I I want to go team up with my buddy right? Mm. And so I I wish it were more. Um, right, I don't want anyone to like hate each other. Like, and I but I don't feel like like even going back to like the the Lakers Celtics like Magic never really like hated Bird right. In fact, they're but buddies, it, right? But it was like super competitive. Magic didn't hate Isaiah Thomas. They were really good friends, but it was ultra competitive, right? And like they wouldn't have dreamed of teaming up together, right? They were played the same position, but anyway, it doesn't matter. I, I, but I think I think rivalries are better for the game than buddy buddies and super teams. I made a heavyweights reference earlier. Did you catch it? No, buddy, like the buddy system. So the Philadelphia Flyers have a statue. They're a hockey team, right? <laughs> They're a hockey team. <laughs> they skate on ice. They don't fly. In Philadelphia, <laughs> there's no jumping in hockey. What a stupid name for a hockey team. Philadelphia Flyers, please. Philadelphia Sliders, get it? Because you slide along the ice, but no one jumps in hockey. Hmm. Now, are you sure? I mean, if it happens, it's super rare. Yeah. People jump in basketball. You jump, people jump, you jump onto the ice every time. They just jump right over the... Sort of. The wall. Sort of. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways. I definitely wouldn't call that flying. So the Flyers have a statue of a singer named Kate Smith. So if, if, if you're... And I, I did not know the history of Kate Smith uh, until this week. I did not know Kate Smith. Yeah. So a prolific singer back in the 20s, 30s, 40s um, raised a ton of money during World War II. I think they she they estimated that she raised about $600 million uh, for the war effort. She would go on these uh, like telethon marathon radio things uh, where she'd be on for like 18 hours. In fact, there was one time she was on 18 hours straight and raised over $100 million dollars. People calling in with donations, buying war bonds. $100 million in 1940s money? or like No, no. Just yeah, yeah, in 1940s money. So if, if you, the, the $600 oh million that was estimated that she brought in based on her singing and telethons and all that stuff uh, is estimated to be about $11 billion in today's money. Wow. And that was during World War II. So she was like, uh, I, she had some kind of nickname, uh, like the singer who, who brought down Adolf or something like that. Like, like she was like a legitimate war hero. So like... The Captain America movie. Yeah. She was like that. She was in that. But yeah. like real life. And she would go and like sing to the troops and stuff. Like she was doing all that before that was like the popular thing to do. And like when it was still super dangerous. And uh, so raised a ton of money. Got like uh, the uh, presidential 
Medal of Freedom or Honor. Which is the highest award a citizen of the United States can earn. Yeah. From the government. So she got one of those. I think a billion dollars is the highest reward (laughs) a citizen of the United States can earn. Um, Capitalism, baby. And had, you know, pretty much like an unblemished reputation. Died in the the 1980s. Um, During during her singing career, uh, developed some kind of uh, um, allegiance to the Flyers where she would come and sing God Bless America. And, in, and they had a better record when she sang than when yeah, she did Yeah, they, they like won the Stanley Cup one year. And like since then, she it was just a staple that she or a recording of her would be played uh, for singing God Bless America. And even the Yankees at, at some point, I think it might have been after 9-11, started playing her version of God Bless America. During the seventh inning stretch, right? Yeah, it was exactly. It's like a daily thing, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, in fact, uh, she was she was so well known and, and beloved by the Flyers and their fans that, like I said, there was a statue of her outside the stadium. I mean, you think of like outside Staples Center, it's like Jerry West, Kobe, Shaq, like the staples of your organization. No pun intended. Uh, the Flyers have a singer, right? Like that's how beloved she was. In fact, they have a say, they have a saying that, that the game doesn't start until the fat lady sings because she was like. 5, 10, 250 pounds. Like Get she was, out of town. She was a, uh, the fat lady sings is from Kate Smith? No, no, no. The this, the the traditional saying is it's not over. Okay. But the Flyers fans say it doesn't start. Okay, because you it. see, I was pretty sure the uh, it's not. I went into NPR mode where I get close <laughs> and I talk quiet. So what happens with the uh, fat lady sings? It's not over till the fat lady sings. Is a, a joke about how the opera yeah, does not end. Everyone knows this until the fat lady uh, comes out and sings her big song at the end. Not new information. That is why. We use the phrase, it's not over until the fat lady sings. Okay, okay NPR, David's gone. Could have skipped I that. think uh, my NPR name would be like David P. Henderson. <laughs> that would be my <laughs> NPR name. Uh, so anyway, so Kate Smith, super beloved figure in the Philadelphia Flyers organization. Um, just this week, I, I, I don't know how these things like get uncovered that have been like unknown for 90 years at this point. Or known but ignored. Uh, known but ignored. Um, so she... Um, there were recordings or maybe written. I, I don't know if they're actual recordings still of it, but she um, apparently sang a song in the 30s that had some pretty negative racial connotations to it. There are some people who say it was satirical and was actually sung by by black people as well uh, to make fun of like other songs that would have negative racial connotations to it. But it was more of a satire and commentary on on racial tensions of the day. And regardless, it wasn't her song. Like, she was asked to sing it. And anyways, there's people now who say because of the lyrics of those song, that song, um, that she's a bad person, that she was racist, and that she shouldn't be associated with the Flyers or the Yankees. And so the Flyers have taken down or vowed to take down her statue and not play her songs anymore. The Yankees are not going to play her songs anymore. And uh, essentially, they are untying themselves from the, the legacy of Kate Smith. It's like the delete them culture, right? Yeah. And, okay. This is a conversation that, that's been going on for a few for a long time. Not more than a few years, but I think it's heated up over the past few years. About when we discover that someone from history has some nasty thing about them and it's debatable whether or not this was like she was actually like racist or if she just participated in a song that by today's standards is racist 
debatable. None of us alive today were there, or at least have memory of that time. I don't, uh, I don't remember it. <laughs> and But it's... You see a lot with uh, statues of Confederate war heroes, okay? Yeah. Or... You, people bring up the founding fathers and the, especially the ones who were slave owners, right? And it's what do we do with these figures from history who by today's standards um, were very flawed were uh, or ha- had some some something in their character that by today's standards would just be a major faux pas or would be so egregious that we would ban them from from public life. Like, what do you do with these people? And and in my opinion, unfortunately, a lot of time the response is erase them, right? We just want to act like this person never existed. And in my opinion, that's just, it's, it's wrong because, well, one, <laughs> we're judging people who lived decades ago or centuries ago by today's standards. And standards like technology, like anything else in world in the in the world animals it evolves right things change society changes situations change cultures change and so to judge someone from the 1930s with today's standards on how we view race race relations how we just view each other um i think is unfair to kate smith and generally to anyone in the past yeah so what i what I always think in this situation is I, I tend to just listen to the offended party, right? If there's a group of people that says this is offensive to me and I don't think it's appropriate, I tend to just kind of listen to that side. You know what I mean? I, I feel like it's better to err on the side of just listening to that side that's saying, hey, I'm offended by this or I'm offended by this person and I don't think that's appropriate. I, I tend to just side with that and say, okay, there's other songs that we can play. There's other things we can do. Uh, If this is offensive to you, I'm going to not do that anymore, right? And another thing I would say is they didn't have a – the people offended by this, which would be the African-American community, right? They were disenfranchised at the time and didn't really have a voice back then. And they have – it's almost like they have a voice now, and now they're expressing what uh, what their ancestors could not, right? And so I think it's important to listen, and I I don't – I, I don't agree that you just need to delete everything from everybody that ever did anything bad in the past because mm-hmm. that would delete a lot of people. We've talked about delete, the Hall of Fame. It would delete everyone. Yeah, we, we, don't, we don't exalt people because they were perfect. We exalt right. them because in spite of their imperfections, they had a great and lasting impact. Right, and that's one of, the, that's one of my arguments always about the Hall of Fame, the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's not a temple where we honor saints that were great people. It's we honor people who are great at baseball. And in this case, you have a person who did great things and was a great singer who did bad things. Whether maybe. That maybe did bad things. That Well, things that offended people. That we know for sure. This is offensive to a group of people. And um, give me a second. I'll find my thought again. Uh, the black community did not have the same voice they do now back then. And so it's almost like they're speaking up now when they couldn't they're finding their voice now and they're being given a voice now more than they ever have mm-hmm. and so now they're using it so i i can see their side of this for sure where they're saying this is offensive to us and i don't think we should um, have this person in the zeitgeist anymore but i also see the danger of it where if we start doing this we're going to quote delete everybody i mean there was even a conversation about deleting michael jackson when the yeah. accusations well, came out yeah so. and, and i mean should we delete martin luther king right 
he had very strong views on homosexuals, hmm. right? Um, there are written letters that he had to to young people, or especially one one young person in particular who wrote to him about his struggles with same sex attraction. And Martin Luther King said, you know, this is a problem, and to go see a mental health professional, and he needed to, you know, be cured of this. Which and, is definitely the opposite of the way society feels about that same situation now. That's right. And he, he was, he was and, and, and rightly so, heralded as a civil rights champion, right? Um, but the LGBT community today, if, if, some, if someone were to say that, that would be so far extreme, like, um, I don't even want to say like right, right or left. It doesn't really matter. I'm just saying that's so far out of the kind of mainstream thought of like what's okay to say to someone right that he if he were in public politics today he would be shunned right away and uh if he were on tv he'd be taken off um but i mean even even president obama had a stance that he said evolved during his presidency that the lgbtq community found uh unacceptable for them so even president obama at one point may have been part of this delete him culture if that and, and people have brought that up Right. And so it's just a very, I think it's just a dangerous precedent to set. And can the Flyers play whatever song they want? Of course. Can the Yankees decide to play whatever song they want? Of course. Like, I don't think, I don't think anyone, I don't think baseball or or the NHL or um, anyone should be able to pressure an organization into playing or not playing. It should be their decision, right? And they should decide, is the backlash worth it, right? Like, that's fine. But if I were a Philadelphia Flyers fan, I think I would be upset today, right? And, and it's not because I have any kind of affiliation to to Kate Smith. Um, it's the it's it's the precedent that's being set, right? And it's you cannot hold someone from a previous generation to to today's standards. And if you start doing that, it's going to get ugly for everyone. And what in, in, in 20 years or 100 years, what are the things we're doing today that will be viewed as uh, as backwards, right? Like well, even oh, next year, you drove you drove cars and ruined the planet. Like, well, we can't have a bust of anyone from like 1900 to 2030. Right. You owned an SUV. Right. It's, I agree with what you're saying. We can't just erase people for having mistakes in the past. And for the most part, we we don't do that. Usually, we're toler we to, we're tolerant of people uh, to a certain point, right? And like I said, even Michael Jackson. Uh, but I also want to make sure that I'm always erring on the side of if a group of people is saying this is offensive to us, I try to honor that. If that makes sense. Yeah, so, and, so and I think it's, it's good to listen, but but I don't think you cater always, right, to to a vocal minority. Hmm. I think it's different listening and considering is different to um, placating. And I think you have to be careful with, because of the first sign of controversy, because of a vocal minority, that you give in, right? Because think about the broader implications of what you're doing would be my counsel. As has been previously stated on the show several times, I literature well. I consider TV film, and song to be part of literature. In fact, more so now than it's ever been because it's consumed by more people than ever before. In fact, more people consume uh, TV, film, and song than they do books now. And What's a book? A book is a, is a hard-bound mm-hmm. uh, group of papers that tell a story or give information. Ah, uh, Audible. 
So it's like Audible, but imagine if Audible were all written down. <laughs> that would take too long. <laughs> Next question. All right, what's the web book? So I, I, I literature pretty well. Um, I consider, you know, the Avengers and other things like that. I feel like they should be studied as literature because they're such a part of society. In the same way that everyone went to see Shakespeare plays, from the richest of the rich to the poorest of the poor, there were people that went and saw Shakespeare and were influenced by it. Ah, good old Will Shakespeare. Why is a French guy... Nah, this is me. What do the French do? Laddie boy from Stratford on Avon. What are you <laughs> saying? I, this is me for my my English accent. What are the French doing in England? Ah, uh, no, this is not the French. This is. I'm the doing Indi- a Monty. I'm doing a Monty Python joke. I'm uh, doing a Monty Python joke. Sparrow. Oh gosh. Okay, so uh, Avengers is coming out this week, and I want to talk about some things Cotton I feel like are junk. going to happen. Okay, so. One thing that for sure is going to happen. This movie is going to be centered around Captain America. Uh, okay? okay. He's going to be the central figure in all of this. Yeah. Okay. A lot of the Avengers movies hang around. What his views were in the 40s. A lot, of, a lot of. A lot of. Well, I certainly know he socked old age. Thanos might job. delete him. Well. <laughs> so, uh, a lot of the Avengers movies circle uh, or focus on Tony Stark. Uh, and, well, Iron Man for you, uh, you know. Non, unwashed people. Yeah. So the, uh, but this movie I think is going to focus more on Captain America because I feel like it's going to be his last movie. I think Chris Evans as Captain America is going to end here. Okay. And so, and this is what I think is going to happen. Okay. Right. So you have to bring everybody back, right? And this is this is just your opinion, your theory, not based on any kind of spoiler or leaked information. No, no, no. I have no idea. I don't mess with that stuff. In fact, when uh, when Avengers Endgame. Uh, trailers come on the TV, I cover my ears and I run away. Because okay. I want to be completely surprised, right? Yeah. So the uh, um, what's going to happen, I believe, is that you have to bring back all the people that died. Because when I first saw uh, Infinity War, and spoilers, when all the characters at the end turned to dust and like disappeared, I saw Disney money disappearing. Because yeah. you can't make Those any more Those are black. franchises yeah, that go away. You can't make yeah. any more Black Panthers. You can't make any more Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man, right? And they're already making. They're filming. I think Scarlet Witch franchise? Are you yes, kidding me? I think they're uh, in mm. post-production on the new Spider-Man movie. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, of course, right. yeah, yeah. Spider-Man lives. So yeah. how are they going to make this happen? That's the question. What my idea is, what my thought is, uh, with the help of Captain Marvel, they're going to somehow subdue Thanos. Mm. Okay. But a sacrifice needs to be made because no one is powerful enough to wield the gauntlet without some sort of sacrifice. So Cap is going to, to quote, you know, the first Avengers movie, lay down on the wire and let a man walk over him, right? He's going to put the gauntlet on, snap his fingers, he's going to die, mm. and then it's going to bring back the other characters. Okay. Book it. What if Captain Marvel just flies around so fast that she goes back in time? And, uh, and just knocked the glove off. Is that a thing? Time travel by going so fast? Yeah. Yes. But I mean, like, that would be a really short and really boring movie. But efficient. I don't think they're going for efficiency. The movie's three hours long, I think. <laughs> that is the opposite of efficient. And this is another reason why I think it's going to be a very Captain America-centered uh, a movie. I think that three-hour-long thing. Mm-hmm. See, if you watch uh, Infinity War... Three hours? I think so. Ain't, so nobody inf- got, ain't nobody got time for that. I got time for that. Okay. So, the... Uh, mm. Three hours. Three hours. Captain America, Thanos. Mm-hmm. The, the first movie, Infinity War, part one of this two-parter, was centered around Thanos. I would say he's the protagonist. Notice, I didn't say the main character or the good guy. 
He's the protagonist. He's the one driving all the action, and we learn the most about him. Yeah, he's the main throughout character. This. Yeah. He's absolutely the main character, the protagonist, right? And um, good guy. But he's also the villain. Well, up for interpretation. By who? The guy killing half the people in the universe isn't the bad guy. I think it depends on your uh, political ideology. Like Stalin call, <laughs> Stalin called. He's like, that's a good idea. Yeah. Thanos, he hero. Much easier to feed all the people if only half of them exist. Thanos, good So, anyway. Man, my train of thought keeps getting derailed. What were we talking about? You are talking about three uh, hours? Thanos being the protagonist. Yes, so now there was very little Captain America. In yeah. fact, unsatisfyingly so for people like me who love Captain America. Okay. So now all that Captain America we wanted before is going to be in this movie, and they also have to kind of solve this plot and all that stuff that's going on, right? Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of Captain America's inner stuff to go along with this. Okay. Um, that's all I got. What do you got? Uh, and don't say there's going to be fighting or something dumb like that. Like, Give us some goods. Give us the goods. The goods, yeah. I know you don't literature as well as I do, but you can try. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, so what's going to happen is... Um, I don't... How do they even get to Thanos? Like, how do they know where he is? I have no... Like, does he get super... Ar- so he probably pulls, like, the, the typical villain thing of where he gets so arrogant that he, like, puts himself in danger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe he's like, if half the people gone was good, maybe... Three quarters of the people gone would be even better, right? So he goes, gonna gonna snap it again. I don't know, but maybe on the second snap he doesn't know all the rules, right? I mean, he's not like omniscient, okay? Uh, maybe on the second snap it just brings everyone back. So maybe, maybe what they do is they find him and they goad him into snapping a second time. Then everyone comes back and they team up and beat him up. Yes, oh. massive dog pile. Interesting. That's my theory. Cool. Uh, massive okay. dog pile. Yes, massive. Massive Avengers dog pile. I don't know if we want to end on massive Avengers dog pile. Uh, think of something witty to end it with. Okay. Uh, I can't think of anything smart to say, which is weird for me. <laughs> Why'd you laugh at that? This has been the Subjectively Correct Sports Podcast with David Henderson and Anthony Montague. Tune in weekly for sports talk and other stuff.